Welcome to our third episode of Unmasking COVID, a podcast that focuses on sharing personal stories during this uncertain time. Today, we have two special guests that are joining us from across the world to share how they have been impacted by this pandemic. So welcome, Sky and Kavinaya. Would you like to quickly introduce yourselves and where you are joining us from? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Kavinaya. Uh, I study in India. I live in India. So I just finished my first year of uh, business administration. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Sky, could you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm studying in um, Western University for food and nutrition, but uh, I'm from China. So I'm back to uh, Shanghai for quarantine. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to attend this podcast and introduce the situation uh, from my country. Yeah. Okay, great. So thank you so much for joining us. We are really excited to have you on our podcast. So I think first off, we can get you guys to share a little bit about the situation you are in right now. And just generally, if you know, how many cases are there in your country? Um, in India, I think it's around 30,000 positive cases at the moment. Um, I think uh, for China now, is uh, already 80,000 or more cases. But now I think most of them are cured or uh, back to their uh, home. Yeah. So oh. a bit more about like, What's your situation like right now? Like how, what are your living situations like? Uh, um, so, um, Sky, do you want to go first? Um, okay. Um, the, uh, actually, for now, uh, people, Chinese people are basically back, back to their normal life and back to work. But um, people are still like keeping distance between each other and uh, the traveling uh, um, management is still strict for preventing the suspected uh, cases and the government also said in fraud is in translations and airports like you know to control the cases but, but now uh, most of people are back to their normal life yeah that sounds uh, great so how about you, Kavanaya? Yeah. So in India, on the 25th of March, they started a lockdown. So with, like a quarantine, none of us could go out except for one person from each family uh, to buy essentials. And that was initially uh, in place for 21 days. But since the positive case count only increased, it was extended for an additional two weeks. And that ended on May 3rd. So since then, they've had some relaxations. So initially, only essential services were open and uh, you couldn't travel you know, using vehicles. And if you were caught using your vehicle, they were seized and they were told that they were going to um, sell them in public auction in the future. So now you can travel, but if it's a motorcycle or a bike, only one person. If it's a car, one person. Uh, can the driver plus two people in the backseat and non-essential services are also open but only for certain timings um yeah that's the current situation 
Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think in India, like you mentioned, like they were like seizing the vehicles and public yeah. auctions definitely does seem very strict, especially compared to uh, China now, where most people have been like recovering and things are definitely becoming better. Yeah, because the thing is, in India, I don't think a lot of people took it seriously. So even though the government um, spoke about the severity, the prime minister addressed the COVID-19, the entire situation, you know, how we could reach the epidemic state and uh, the community spread, people really didn't take it into much consideration because you could still see people going about, you know, uh, crowding in shopping places and things. So they've been very strict. Mm-hmm. I think another reason why is because in India, there's a lot of homelessness. So when I went back a couple of years ago, there were a lot of families just on the streets and they have like houses made out of like plastic or like stuff they got out of a garbage dump. And so I think this is the way it spreads a lot faster in India. And I, do you know if, there, if they have any measures to protect like the homeless? So the people that you just mentioned, they're actually migrant workers. So they leave their towns from like, they come, they travel like 4,000, 5,000 miles all the way from the north of India and all to, they come to the south for work. So they, they just live wherever, you know, near the construction sites. And they were especially hardly hit by the uh, pandemic and lockdown situation because now their livelihoods were destroyed. They didn't, they didn't have money. And they couldn't travel because, you know, transport was uh, stopped. Interstate travel was banned. So lots of people, it was, it was a lot of heartbreaking and heartwarming stories about people walking thousands of hundreds of miles to reach their homes. And after that, the government uh, made, it ma- made it compulsory that if such migrant workers and all, they were living in places and they were paying rent. They, were, they should not be charged rent for the past two months. And this month also, I'm not sure. And uh, now special trains, which carry these migrant workers back to their hometowns. Um, you know, they're like secret trains. So nobody knows when it's going to happen. So they only intimate a certain number of migrant workers so that not everybody comes in crowds. And like a hundred or a thousand of these people are transported back home. Um, so just to confirm, so this is not something like, the government is doing. No, this is something the government is doing. Oh, it is something that I'm doing. Okay. Sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, um, I guess for Sky, um, what are some of the government precaut- Like, what are what are some precautions that the government is taking to maintain social distancing? You told me that um, everything is somewhat back to normal but people are still maintaining social distance. But how is the, is the government ensuring that? Or are there yeah, any precautions it's actually in place? what the uh, government is doing for, um, they still need to prevent the cases happen in community. Because if the uh, cases spread in a community, it will be like another increase. So they have to still have to make sure that social distance between people and they, um, I still restrict the uh, uh, the amount of people coming in or out the community. Yeah, so it, it it's um, although it's people came back to work, 
um, they still like keep it seriously. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So like people generally seem to follow guidelines and and maintain social distancing yeah. by themselves. And yeah, good. They, and the and people uh, uh, actually students are gradually uh, back to school. Uh, oh. Yeah, and uh, some of it still have online learning, but for uh, some of it, not, uh, not others, they, they come back to uh, school, but they still wearing masks while having class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like from what you've seen, so like China definitely started reopening things. And I know like in Canada, there have also been talks about reopening stuff like non-essential mm-hmm. businesses and having curbside delivery for retail store and things like that. And I know a lot of people are worried about what would happen when we reopen, whether we have like another wave and things like that. Um, so how would you say reopening has gone in China? Um, what did you say? The reopening of uh, non-essential business? Ah uh, yeah, and just like um, like schools and everything in general. Um yeah, I heard by, from my parents. So my my dad and my mom has already back to their uh, original workspace, and they found that the the most of people are mostly people are wearing masks to prevent it, but um they still <laughs> um. Yeah. So, um, so, it's, so it's mainly like wearing masks and just maintaining like distance yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And uh, Kavya, just, I'm just curious, but mm-hmm. like in India, how prevalent are masks? Like are masks mandatory for people to wear? Was wearing a mask, but now mm-hmm. if you aren't wearing a mask, you they, uh, they basically ask you to go back home. So the government okay. has made it mandatory, and it's also become a thing. Like if you go to a store and you're not wearing a mask, even the shopkeeper would ask you to leave. And you can see oh. everyone wearing it, even if it's not like a store-bought mask. People, you know, just make their own mask or use a handkerchief or things like that. Mm-hmm. So even in stores, uh, to ensure social distancing, they've drawn boxes using chalk. So people have to stand in that, you know, to wait in line to ensure that, you know, the one meter gap between people. So mm-hmm. that's being followed pretty strictly right now. Also, mm-hmm. Although not in a couple of places, which is one of the reasons why there's um, a spike in Chennai, the place where I'm living. Do you want me to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the, there's this place called Coimbedu, which is like the central market where we receive all our fruits and vegetables from the neighboring towns and villages that produce them. And from this is like the wholesale market from where are the retailers get the produce and sell it to us, the consumers. And this uh, place has no sense of social distancing or any of that. So we through contact tracing they found out that uh, a large number of cases in the state that I live in can be traced back to this market so because of this uh, they've they closed the market and they shifted uh, it to a different place and that that place uh, the market is closed till uh, tomorrow and hopefully it opens so because of that there's a vegetable fruit shortage everywhere mm-hmm. yeah with like the shortage I'm assuming things would be expensive too like is the garden do you know if the government is doing anything about ensuring that people do get um, the produce that they need? 
Um, the government is uh, ensuring, so through the ration, you know, the, the ration shops that's owned by the government where they uh, give rice, pulses, and essential um, durable uh, non-perishables. And usually you can get it at a very cheap price or, you know, sometimes just for free. And right now the government is giving large quantities of rice, different types of rice and pulses for free to the public sugar. So they give you like a, a coupon, the time stamp printed on it. So at that time it's supposed to be there at the shop, you can collect it. But uh, fresh produce is um, is expensive. It's definitely all price. And uh, the government hasn't done anything about that. But then again, as uh, you know, the supply falls and the demand is still there, the price is definitely going to be on an increase. At least for mm -hmm. the short term future, the prices aren't going to see any decrease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we already kind of um, like covered this about like the government helping and like assistance they're bringing like you mentioned the trains and uh, like mm -hmm. the free rice and things like that. Um, but I think the question I had was specifically for students because you mm -hmm. are both students. Is the government yes. doing anything specific? Um, so the board exams for the 12th graders, which and you know, the, the, the board exams had been postponed indefinitely. Now they're saying that they will take place uh, at the end of July. Um, mm -hmm. And for the college students, we've been told the colleges will resume in August. If the situation doesn't get any better than September, they've issued recommendations to schools and colleges, you know, on you know how when they should open and how they should function once they open. Like for example, in schools, the central government has prescribed that when schools reopen, they should be working on a 50% basis, meaning on on any given day, there should only be 50% to the students. And they should come to school on alternate days and there should be social distancing maintained with uh, spaces and all of that. Mm -hmm. What about you, Sky? Do you know what's happening in China with regards to students? Um, for students, um, they actually the online learning started on February in China for mid and high schools and uh, the universities. A few of primary schools opened the class online because um, the Ministry of Education think the long time screen for time, uh, time to, for children will harm to their eyesight. So, so not every primary school opened it for uh, online learning. And uh, for now, but uh, students are back to their schools, still keeping a distance with each other, uh, especially uh, in the cafeteria. Uh, I think. Um, Schools are not allowed for three or more people uh, sit on the same desks, uh, on the same table. Like they, they restrict the amount of people uh, entering the cafeteria so that it could prevent it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there's an interesting point for controlling the cases for in China. They have the scan code for everyone, and uh, the uh, the residents need to sign up online for a scan code. So the code can track where you have been to the city traveling or traveling history or the 
like they have a UP, uh, GPA on their phones, mm -hmm. so they can track where they go. Um, if the if the code said you have been to like some um, gathering places, they will restrict you and uh, reject you from buying things like that, like entering the oh. market. So, so I, I think can... it's an amazing one for controlling it. They have the code, so they they scan your mm -hmm. code. So uh, it's like the, before uh, you enter yeah. any like public place, they would scan this code and, yeah. and kind of like see where you've been. Oh, like pharmacies or market or restaurant. There's not only uh, like using the thermometer, but also the scan code. Uh -huh. The code said if code uh, uh, it's, it's red, so you can't. You can't go in unless it's green. You, so you can uh, okay. uh, enter for yeah, public space. Uh, makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, can I say something? Oh, yeah. So like Sky was saying, we have something uh, similar. Well, not exactly similar. So it's this app that we're all supposed to download. It's called Arugya Setu. What this app does is that you have to have your GPS um, and location, uh, your GPS and your Bluetooth on at all times. So through Bluetooth, it lets you know if you've come in contact with anyone who has been affected with the virus who's been uh, tested positive for the COVID-19. So this has actually become the fastest downloading app in India. And it also has like um, an assessment test that you can take, which asks you if you have any symptoms or, you know, certain questions, which if you do, you can, you will be put in touch in touch with the healthcare professionals. And is this something the government has done or is it just, yes, this is actually, oh, um, okay. it's, uh, it's, it's by the government. Okay. Yeah, um, I think from like a technological standpoint, I think these advancements in technology, they're very cool. Like how Sky mentioned how you need to scan a barcode before entering. And if you've been to, and if it's red, then you can't enter. And like how Kelby mentioned um, that if that there's an app that uses Bluetooth to tell you whether or not you've been in contact with someone that has been tested positive i think this is like really cool and i really like how people are coming together to create these innovations to protect people and i really think that necessity is the mother of creativity so um i guess in the future like i'm excited i'm, I'm hopeful for the future yeah I think that's something that's really exciting like the pandemic being now is because it's a time where we have a lot of this technology a lot of understanding about like healthcare, health policies and things like that so it's definitely an interesting time for pandemic mm -hmm. uh, well i think that you know the our technological um, innovations have led to a scope of things that we never thought possible and made our lives so much easier I, it also poses its own set of problems. You know, there are a lot of data privacy issues. You know, but mm -hmm. every day you see a news about uh, content being stolen and putting on the dark web uh, users um, data. You know, being uploaded on the dark web and being sold for you know like millions of dollars or bitcoins or whatever. So that that is also there with like when you use like for Zoom. Zoom was in such a which controversy about uh, routing its um, users' data through China and uh, for, you know, how the, it, lots of users' data was stolen and hacked and was put on the dark web. So it also has all of these 
issues that I think we should be more concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like recent stuff with like the whole Facebook thing, like a lot of companies do use data as um, something as a commodity, which is uh, definitely something, definitely should be more policies about like managing that and data privacy and things like that especially now like with the whole like gps tracking um i guess it is something that's necessary like for the pandemic for contact tracing and things like that but again like it is important to make sure that that doesn't get overboard and become a regular part of our lives yeah. so yeah. um i think okay speaking like from canada uh we haven't had anything like that like the GPS tracking, the apps and things like that. Uh, so I, so the contact tracing hasn't been done in the same way. Um, I, I think it was mainly just focused on like social distancing measures, um, making sure you have good hand hygiene and things like that. And I think a lot of people did follow it, which is why um, the curve, like uh, the government officials are have been saying that the curve is trying to flatten and they're thinking about reopening the economy a little bit. Um, and like with regards to like students, the well, right now universities, high school, colleges, they're all closed. Everything's online learning. Uh, no one really has in-person classes, but the government has established like funds called like a fund called CESB that will be uh, releasing soon, which is just giving funds for students for who might have lost the opportunity to do an internship or a job and who might have lost like a source of income. And there's also something called CERB, which is the COVID emergency response benefit. So again, that's for people who've been affected by COVID-19, who lost their jobs. So, um, so it's good to see those social support programs. Uh, yeah, one thing to note actually about the um, the contact tracing stuff. So I'm pretty sure Alberta actually released a contact tracing app not so long ago, and I'm not really too familiar with like how effective it is. But a lot of people have already downloaded it, and it's already been launched. So that's something interesting to note. Oh wait, this is uh, only for Alberta, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat because like in Ontario, I know the only real way you can tell whether or not people are actually maintaining social distance is if you go outside to stores and like essential businesses. And like you can see it's not really how the government so much is handling it. It's more so how the businesses are handling it because like different stores have different policies. For example, one grocery store, you can't come in without masks, face shields, and gloves, and you have to, like, sanitize everything, and they only allow, like, 40 people in, whereas other stores, like, don't even care if you're wearing a mask or not. So it's kind of interesting to see what happens when you have government regulating social distancing and when you have businesses regulating it. I guess, like, going back, um, as students, how has this pandemic personally affected you? And, like, what changes have you seen because of this pandemic? And I guess, how have you adapted to these changes? 
so for for me well uh we didn't have much of an online learning because most of this most of our syllabus had already gotten over by you know while the well the lockdown and the quarantine started so most of it got over but what was remaining we our teachers attempted online learning but uh, it didn't really work out all that well but we kind of managed to start it through so for now as i wouldn't probably be taking up my semester exams unless the situation gets better if it doesn't it's they told us that the first year and second year students for for me it's only three years so first year and second year students our grades will be calculated based on scores we've obtained in our previous semester and um in 50% of that plus 50% of uh, all of the scores that we've gotten on our internal tests and assessments during this semester and also i've it's uh, i'm very close to a couple of uh, third year students you know who were just finishing and it's really hit them hard because uh, they were all planning on you know doing their masters or you know working but now none of that is possible so they're all mostly taking a gap year to you know think things through and wait out and try again the year after um i personally just changed my uh, study form from uh going to uh, schools for uh to having class online and i'm also having summer courses that shifted online um but um talking about my family in china they just um they can't meet their relatives during spring festival you know the chinese uh, the, pan the pandemic spread it during um late january and february which is the spring festival it is the chinese new year um this is the most important festival for chinese some of my relatives only back home during uh, this holiday but this year they can't so they come back to their hometown and meet their families um that's what uh, i from i heard from my parents so um some of my uh, like grandma and grandpa they live in countryside and my parents can't meet them um, they only have to like calling them and uh, preventing um, like um how i can um, say just i just called to my grandpa and grandma they uh, mentioned notice them have to keep in social distance Distance, but seems like the elderly, the elderly doesn't care the situation. They think it's okay, okay. Uh, but I still worried about them. Um, for like you know, the elderly is like easily too successful for this virus. Um, and they like they like not um put too much care on it. So I'm actually concerned about them mm -hmm. yeah i guess i mean you do see that um like everywhere like some people are not really thinking uh not really worrying too much about what would happen to them yeah um yeah and definitely like adding on like you mentioned like the spring festival that that was probably uh something people found um, new unreasonable because um, social isolation is something that could 
possible. It's not the same. Like it's it's not something that would always um, follow social distancing and quarantining, but uh, it is a possibility. And I think something that's helping us all stay connected is it's so good that uh, you're able to contact them, like video call them and things like that. So yeah. it's good for us who have the technology who can stay in touch and avoid that social isolation. But in a lot of parts of the world. A lot of communities that like don't have the technology, it's definitely a bigger problem, like a, a huge problem, just, like battling social isolation. Yeah. I guess also, Sky, you mentioned how you weren't able to celebrate um, Chinese New Year in large gatherings, but were you able to do something, I guess, something small, something special, like within your family, like within your household to celebrate um, Chinese New Year? Um, they just uh, like just my parents and my sister stay in uh, my home to celebrate, but they can't meet uh, like you know the the large gathering. They can't do it. Um, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sort of. I guess. Like, what did you did you do anything special that day to celebrate it? Something small, I guess. Um. Uh, not really. They just uh. uh uh, video calling them and uh, mm -hmm. like um just having some um just to meet my meet, meet your relatives but not actually like having dinner together yeah just my parents and my sister um celebrating it um. So, oh, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Uh, so, I know, you were mentioning things about like third or fourth years. Um, they're mm -hmm. worried about like uh, finding jobs and things like that. Um, so, so like, do you know what they're they will be doing? Like, as a yeah, source of income so, and. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them aren't really worried about their income because you know it's when you take when you're doing a BBA you're you're most likely going to get a very entry level job so most people they work for a year not most people actually if there's 70 70 people in a class I think like 10 people would work while 60% would most likely go on to do their masters immediately or a year after so they're not worried about the income per se so but they're really worried about you know like what am I going to do next is what they're worried about mm -hmm. and lots of people took the cat which is the entrance test for doing MBA in India and you and it's a very tough exam to crack so you know people who didn't get good scores they're planning on going the year after you know doing it again the year after while maybe working so that plan is now scrapped out. So they're going to just take a gap year, maybe, you know, study online, uh, mm -hmm. you know, do, do an online internship or two, and then try again. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, this is what I've heard. And a senior of mine said that most of our class is just considering to take a gap year. And mm -hmm. one or two people have gotten admitted to colleges. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess like um, like probably seniors like personally for you, uh, do you think your life has changed a lot because of this, or has it been more or less the same? 
it's embarrassing to admit that my life hasn't changed a lot <laughs> because i'm pretty much a homebody so i don't really like to go out much unless it's my family and it's mostly i like to go out for a movie or you know dinner stuff like that i don't really travel or go out in general so it's pretty much been the same but it's the difference is now it's forced it's not because i'm i want to stay home but instead i'm forced to stay home so there are moments of anxiety and uh, you get restless you want to do something but you're not love to do anything just you know be home and there are moments when you're on the internet or you're on social media and you're just like what am i doing with life is this how it's going to be so there are moments of that but for the most part i'm just grateful that i'm safe and i'm with my family and we're all safe and that we have the resources to you know tide this over and one day it'll just be a distant memory so i'm very thankful for that sky how about you has your life changed a lot since the pandemic started um i just think the just the study form changed about my life personally uh doesn't have too much change um yeah like like Javier, i i also like to stay in home and doing things what i want so yeah just uh, ordering things online for you know from from groceries and i can do it i can uh baking or cooking at home and yeah, I actually love it. I love staying home. I think something I just want to add that um, um, that Kamei mentioned as well. Like, oftentimes we do feel kind of restless, like feeling like, oh wait, what? We're not doing much at all. But I think it's important to realize that this is a very new situation and. We don't always have to be doing new stuff, and it's it's nice to like like what Sky is doing, like you know, just taking some time to relax, baking stuff, um, and just spending some time with yourself is also very valuable. I'm also just to add on to what Ovia said. I feel there's a lot of pressure on us to be using this time and being productive with it, but like sometimes just existing and like taking time for yourself is important. So like. You don't have to be productive or learning something new or developing a new skill. If you're just taking this time to improve yourself or just exist, it's okay too. I completely agree with what Serena just said. I think that when you realize that, you know, people are doing this or that and you're not doing anything, you know, just doing what you've always been doing you feel pressurized and you feel kind of insecure, you know, maybe I should be doing a whole lot of different things since I have all this time on my hands. And then there's the added peer pressure and, you know, your parents telling you do this and do that. So I think it's, we're already under a lot of mental stress and it's important to just, you know, cope and, you know, be able to live with yourself. And um, you should worry about being productive only after you're taking care of your mental health. Yeah, so taking care of your mental health is definitely something that we all should be looking at during this time just because we're all stuck at home, right? It's important to check in with ourselves and make sure we're all doing okay. Um, other than that, are there any other concerns that you guys have 
um, during the current situation in the pandemic? Mm -hmm. mm. I actually just worry about uh, my uh, not only my grandparents but also the people die for this uh, situation and uh, what if the vaccine invented in two years or even more um, there will be countless people die for uh, this virus and maybe the pandemic will be continued to next year I'm just worried about it and and yeah and the people the mental health of people and what if yeah <laughs> um i think i just uh, worry about the vaccine i think that's definitely something yeah that makes sense to worry about just because it's good to know where developers are on creating a vaccine and a vaccine is like something that would probably let us all go outside again yeah I've also definitely had concerns about the vaccine because initially, you know, you thought that we'll get over, you know, before 2020, the virus, the whole pandemic would be over. But then they're saying another year or two and that um, I means no travel, you can't do this, you can't do that. So that's kind of worrying. And uh, my sister was supposed to get married this December, but she might not be able to travel if the travel ban. So my mom was very worried about that. But there are bigger issues at hand, so I guess it makes it seem insignificant. Also, one thing that I'm concerned about is how people will behave as a whole after the pandemic. You know, people, our generation in general will become very distrustful. We're not, you know, as we don't, if someone approaches us for help, we're more skeptical than, you know, willing to help. And that's understandable given um you know the crime rates and how everything has gone up but i'm just concerned that this would have such a lasting impression on people's minds that they would be reluctant to offer a helping hand in the future or you know interact or resource interact with people yeah I, yeah I don't know like people might that's something i've thought about too like what if people don't want to like always maintain that social distancing um like how long would it take for people to um like move past the pandemic and the plastic impact it's had on their minds and how they view others um yeah that's uh it's definitely a major thing but i guess we can all be thankful for how our environment has gotten better like i have the air quality index on my phone and i get these updates every morning and i'm just shocked to see like it'd be 10 it'd be 5 it'd be 20 i'm like uh are you sure this is the correct <laughs> update because it's bizarre you know being in this yeah. pollution toxic environment for most of my adult life and then now it's like such clear pristine air that um, that I, oh sorry i kind of unmuted in the middle muted in the middle sorry that's all oh mind. yeah it definitely gets us like a head start because global warming is also like a huge issue and like mm -hmm. i don't know i guess a silver lining to all of this is um we just get a head start to like solving the problem of global warming and that 
actually taking care of her earth you know it's, it's like we get another chance so that is pretty nice to think about i think this um pandemic is like you guys said gonna have a very long lasting effect because this is not just only gonna impact how we interact with people but also our economy our healthcare systems the glo- global warming in general and some maybe for some maybe some for good and some for better like for example the stress our hospital systems have endured during this period was a lot and so i think after this pandemic we're going to look at how to reevaluate our healthcare systems and how we can make it better if something like this does happen again and yeah I personally think that India would definitely um, allocate more funds for the healthcare sector the coming year because we're not properly equipped to deal with the pandemic and um, it's blatantly obvious. So this would just this would definitely be a lesson to you know allocate more for healthcare and make it better and more accessible to people of all classes. Mm-hmm. And I think um, yeah, that's definitely like. I think something that's interesting that hopefully might happen uh, due to this pandemic in the states is maybe bringing uh, more more universal healthcare and even in India I know like the private sector of healthcare is really huge so definitely making it accessible to like everyone and bringing that universe universality in would be nice and I know something that happened after SARS was the government in a lot of places stopped funding research to find vaccinations and because like oh the problem is over we can probably allocate this money somewhere else but um i think continuing to fund research would definitely be important in the future yeah definitely like research on vaccinations i think again like like we already said vaccination might only might be like probably the only way we can really get back on our feet again and feel safe to go outside and and start to ease like social distancing measures once we have a vaccine getting um running and everything and i think as well like not only is the healthcare industry really impacted but like the economy as well and then like one thing in particular when we were uh first starting off is like travel and how much travel needed to be restricted when you were first like because that's really what we were going to what was impacting like the spread was the fact that people were still traveling a lot and once there were notifications of like how people needed to stay at home a lot of people who were outside at travel were still frantically trying to like rush back home and even Canada at that point we were saying oh uh well try to stay at home as much as you can but if you're outside try to get home back to Canada as soon as you can as well so there were also a lot of concerns with travel there so leading up to this question then mainly for sky who had just recently moved back to china during the pandemic so how was the travel experience for you and how was it different than maybe if when you've traveled in the past Um first thing um I I think the main change would be the the seating the uh, 
the air company has already uh, assigned it for you because people have to keep in distance. So it's like uh, one um, people should, uh, cannot be next to it. Um, it's like they have the empty seat between each people, uh, each passenger. And then after the, the landing, um, there will be um, like staff um, taking, your, taking your files and testing your, um, using thermometers to testing your like all the body situation and making the COVID task. Um, and then you, after all doing that, we can be in the airport and waiting for the staff to like taking you to the hotel the hotel and um, and I, I was currently in, um, in a hotel that have to stay for 14 days uh, after 14 days if you COVID has said it's negative so you can back to your uh, original home yeah it's like that and if you um and one situation if you there is a confirmed cases um, on your plan uh, that you have to the hospital, uh, you have to go to the hospital and being isolated for personally and uh, waiting for the tax, tax, uh, tax uh, um, next to it. Um, did I say clearly? It's, it's like you have to do tests um, every single day, not only for mm -hmm. the thermometer, it's the COVID test. Uh, the, the staff uh, in the hotel will test you. And uh, if it's positive, you, you, you definitely go to the hospital. But if it's fine and it's safe, after, uh, in the 14 days, you can back to Okay. Home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that makes sense. Um, I think those are good measures that are being undertaken. Um, I know in Canada as well, it's, it's so kind of similar, except they don't necessarily put you in a hotel unless you have no place to stay. For a lot of people who come to Canada, actually, what they end up doing is they'll first ask you if you have a place to stay, like if you're staying with family or like how you're going into accommodation and under quarantine. And they won't necessarily provide you with like a hotel service unless it's like necessary. But yeah, oh, that's, the, that's very the, interesting. The, um... But you you live in hotel you you have to pay it. It's not like the government will cover cover it. You have to like pay the 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 price for staying in hotel. But it's actually uh, not very expensive. But you have to pay it for yourself, not covered by government. Mm -hmm. Okay. But just to confirm, so there's no option of you like going home and quarantining no. there you have to no, be in the hotel it's restricted yeah. and were you the government in the hotel? might be afraid that you if you're coming from another country yeah oh uh, what i was just asking like uh, when you were in the hotel were you by yourself for those 14 days yeah like the oh. yes and the staff will sending you your breakfast to the in front of your uh door uh. Yeah, that must have been a very interesting experience for you, <laughs> staying by yourself for three days. So I guess then, 
um, as the restrictions ease up and people start like going outside again, what are some things you guys would like to do once the quarantine is lifted? I would love to go for a movie um, I, and uh, go out with my family for dinner, catch up with my friends, go to the beach. The beach atmosphere in India is completely different from, you know, beaches anywhere else. It's not that it's beautiful, but it's, it's a kind of ambience where you just can't experience anywhere else. There are hawkers selling charred corn and um, a lot of different uh, food items and snacks and knickknacks. You can see all sorts of people there. It's definitely one of the things I miss about yeah. India. Yeah. It's crowded and dusty, but it's just something so uh, magnetic about it that just makes you want to go to ex- just to just to be there and you know look around you and see what the people are doing and just take in the moment. It's something like that. Um. As soon as the quarantine ends, I'll definitely run to my, my favorite restaurant and order my favorite noodles. This is the specialty in my hometown. I really, really miss it. And it's comfy. Uh, it only can be made in my hometown. So, yeah, um, I really love it. And uh, having breakfast with my parents is the second, thing, the second thing I would do. And then it's the hangout with my friends. Those all sound like some pretty great plans. I guess, yeah, just going out and getting to see your friends again. And as you guys said, um, going out and getting some local cuisine, whatever it may be. That sounds really nice for something to do once we can go back outside. Okay, so this makes for a perfect transition into our really fun segment called Around the World in Three Minutes. So even though we are bound to our physical locations and can't tour the world because of the pandemic and travel restrictions and bans, this episode is a great opportunity for us to share aspects of our culture and countries from we are from. So today we'll be sharing some key aspects of our countries and cultures. So I guess you can quickly like tell us some really cool parts about your country and things that we should definitely visit if we come to your country? So India is, um, in, is really pop. India's street food is really popular. I'm not sure I would recommend it to a foreigner because of the hygiene issues, but it's something that we all Indians love and it's just part of who we are. So one thing we college students, especially the girls, I studied, I studied in a women's college. So one thing I see girls doing all the time is going to uh, a Pani Puri street vendor. So Pani Puri is basically, it's, it's just, it's hard to explain the, the flavors you get out of eating one, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's, <laughs> I don't have the perfect word to describe it. It's, it's a one part of the story. Of you should just try one. You should just try one. Sorry. And um, as for any foreigner who visits India for the first time, they'd be shocked at how colorful India is. And when I say that, it's because it's very, very colorful. From the houses, the streets, to everywhere, it's just very colorful. They'll, foreigners would really, I think that's, that's one of the charms that lure people to India to, you know, visit 
and to see what it's all about. Um, well, I, I think I think about one, like the, there is a, there are uh, several cultural streets in my uh, hometown, like the history street, uh, where there are all the uh, tradi traditional buildings uh, have been there, and uh, there are a lot of like travelers, visitors going there to meet the uh, traditional buildings and learn the culture. It's like the I think it's uh, has built since the Chinese Revolution, and it tells uh, there is a I don't know a hero that has to live in in that building, so it's come become to a uh, I don't know a traveling space for visitors to go there and learn the history about the Chinese Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like a lot of culture and a, like just like hearing uh, both of you talk about it just got me really excited. And um, even though with this, I can't, we can't really physically travel, it's still, it's still really nice hearing about it. Uh, so I want to talk about Canada. Okay, so I guess in Canada, there's a lot to see, especially like nature-wise. Um, we have Niagara Falls, and we are pretty much very famous for Niagara Falls. But like we also are famous for the CN Tower. It once was the tallest man-made building. However, it is no longer the tallest, but it's still really beautiful to see from CN Tower, especially the view of Toronto from like the top of CN Tower. It's beautiful. Um, and I guess one thing that makes Canada very unique is it's it's known for being very multicultural and very accepting. So you will, walking down the streets of Toronto, you will see people from all sorts of cultures and backgrounds. And I think that's something very special about Canada and Toronto in general. Yeah, um, definitely. I think one thing that I really enjoyed about uh, Canada was because I did move to Canada from India, but uh, India, and something that I really liked, especially at, in where my university is, London, London, Ontario, though not London, England, but um, is the nature. Like just seeing fall colors, all the trees, just walking underneath, just like the foliage created by trees, is a great experience, and Canada definitely has a lot of that. I know at least for me, I was born and raised in Mississauga, which is right beside Toronto, Ontario. And my favorite thing about being in this kind of city is just how close it is to rural areas and like hotspots like Toronto. Like it's kind of cool being like a border city where you can take your bike and really you can go explore massive skyscrapers or you can go explore some farmland. All right, so a special thanks to Sky and Kavanya for joining us today. 
It's been great hearing how young people all over the world have been affected by this pandemic and the things you are doing while at home. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please fill out our Google form, which can be found at our Facebook page. Other than that, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.